Want to make more money from Medicare legally? You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Effective in 2009, doctors who transmit prescriptions electronically for Medicare patients may be entitled to a year-end incentive bonus. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host. Joining me today is Joshua Freemeyer, a health law attorney at the law firm of Ober Kaler in Baltimore, Maryland. We're going to talk a little bit about the new government program that rewards physicians for using electronic prescriptions. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about the incentive program and why they did it. Well, there's a big press right now to get e-prescribing put in more and more physician offices and, and more and more pharmacies across the country. The government has armloads of data indicating that it lessens the chance for medical errors and mistakes, and it's a little bit more secure. We're not having to worry about falsified prescriptions and lost prescriptions and things like that. It's a better system for everybody. And how are they going to incentivize us to go out and spend thousands of dollars to get this software, and they're going to pay us a few hundred dollars? Well, they're going to pay you 2% of your estimated Medicare Part B allowed charges during the reporting period. And the reporting period is 12 months, January, December 2009. Josh, how's the government going to know that I am actually doing this? They're going to look at your Medicare Part B claims. There are a batch of about 30, 35 denominator codes out there. And if you see a patient and that patient needs one of those codes, then you're going to be asked to add to that code one of, I think it's four G codes that will delineate whether or not you sent an electronic prescription and why. And every patient you see under these codes is eligible for one of the four G codes. They cover basically every possible situation, including ones where you don't send a prescription. So if you just make sure to add that code to all of the bills that you send where one of the 30 codes is used, then you're going to get the 2%. All right, so 2% of allowed charges. So let's do some simple math here. If I uh, have charges of $100,000 to Medicare this year, I should receive $2,000. That is correct, under your Medicare Part B claims. When do I get that money? They're not not very specific about that. It's going to follow the same payment structure as the PQRI incentive program. And in fact, because this started out as part of the PQRI incentive program, and they've now separated it from that for 2009. You're actually eligible for both bonuses. So you'll, you'll see that sometime in 2010. And is this system, obviously they're incentivizing us, so it's not mandatory? It is not mandatory, but the carrot turns into a stick in 2012. In 2012, there'll still be an incentive for e-prescribers, we're called qualified e-prescribers, But if you are not a qualified e-prescriber in 2012, they're actually going to penalize you 1%. That amount goes up to 1.5 in 2013 and becomes 2% for 2014. So I currently have an EMR system, and we do e-prescribing. Can I assume that the company handling it for me is putting those G-codes in? Uh, You should not. Yeah, your Medicare Part B claims, you know, you want to make sure those codes are being put in where they're appropriate. And where do I get a list of those G-codes? You know, the easiest place to go and get quick information about this is www.cms.hhs.gov backslash e-prescribing, all one word. All right, so uh, if, if someone listening did not catch that, where else can they go? Can they go to your website? Is there a link on your website? A couple articles under there under my name. They can find pretty quickly if they search for e-prescribing. 
you want to go to www.oberr.com. So it seems like pretty easy money. If I'm already doing it, I just need to tell my staff to add these G-codes. That's absolutely correct. And, and chances are that your e-prescribing or your EMR system probably complies with the requirements. You want to make sure in April there are some additional messaging requirements that are being imposed on existing systems to make sure they're Medicare Part D compliant. You want to make sure your system is updated and stays compliant. But as long as it does, and you see, I think the, uh, the requirement to be a qualified physician is that those 30, 35 codes have to comprise at least 10% of your total Medicare Part D charges. So it doesn't even have to be on all of them? You need to include the G. It gets a little complicated to explain. 30 denominator codes need to make up at least 10% of your Medicare Part D billings. Assuming they do, you're qualified. If you're qualified and you use a qualified e-prescribing system, then you need to add the G code to at least 50% of those eligible claims that had the 30-odd codes on them and then you'll receive the 2%. There's nothing you need to register, nothing you need to send in. Is the bonus based on an actual number of prescriptions that are sent electronically? It's just based on your Medicare Part B billings for the year. Wow. So uh, i I got to get this going immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's early enough in the year that I, I should do it. Sure. And, and, you know, as I explained, you know, for these 30 codes, the, the G codes you're required to put on there include that you didn't use e-prescribing for that particular patient. So even in a case where you don't send a prescription electronically, there's a G-code you can put down, and that still counts towards the 50%. So it's something that physicians should be able to qualify for, even if they start partway into the year. So to repeat what you just said, I don't have to register anywhere. I just got to find out what those codes are and get them on my claims. Absolutely. Do I have to change the code for somebody each time? Is it diagnosis-specific? Well, as long as the one of these 30 codes is applicable to the visit, then you would just code it as you would any other Medicare Part B claim. You'd have that code on there, and you would just add the G code. So I'm kind of taking a leap of faith that if I do this, the government will give me my $2,000 at the end of the year. Well, you know, dealing with the government is always a bit of a leap of faith. Right. <laughs> Although that may, I'm, I'm optimistic currently that that may change. Absolutely. You know, the uh, we're very excited at, at our firm, because we, we represent providers only, and we, we do a lot of work in this area for them, and President Obama has promised an enormous infusion of money and incentives to encourage the development of electronic health record systems, and we think this is going to be an area that's, that's going to become you know, pretty popular pretty quickly. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host. My guest today, Joshua Freemeyer, a health law attorney at the law firm of Ober & Kaler in Baltimore, Maryland. We're talking about the new program from Medicare that will reward us for doing e-prescribing. Just on a personal note, we do e-prescribing in our office, and recently, in the last few months, we can no longer electronically transmit narcotics or um, sleeping pills. We have to fax those or call them in, which seems quite silly and counterproductive and counterintuitive. Have you had any any experiences with that in Baltimore? Well, you know, the, the DEA is still sort of sitting on the regulations and that they were going to promulgate regarding a, a standard that was acceptable to them for the transmission of narcotics prescriptions. And, you know, they've been told to do it, and we're expecting it sooner, you know, and any day now those standards should come out. 
but this is something that I would expect the, the new administration would be turning to pretty quickly because it is a frustration when you're operating a system that's wholly electronic, oh, except for other little pieces over here that we can't forget about. It's so silly and annoying, making more work for us. We went electronic to simplify, you know, to move towards a paperless world, and, you know, once again the government is kind of making it a little difficult. You know, I could be completely wrong on this front, but I would expect with the new administration we're going to see slightly different priorities in terms of uh, what the DEA spends its time doing and not doing. Josh, what happens if I'm just refilling prescriptions that a patient called for and there's no claim? They called for a refill on scripts. I sent it electronically, but there's no claim because I didn't do a claim. I get credit for those or not really? Not really, unfortunately. It's it's only for the 10% or more of your practice where it's a Medicare Part B claim that falls under one of these 30-odd codes. And so after this reward or carrot program, what do you anticipate the government's going to do next for us to dangle $2,000 in front of us? You know, that's a tough question with the new administration coming in. They certainly have spent a lot of time and energy talking about electronic health systems. And I would expect that we're going to see even, even more resources pushed towards e-health initiatives. And actually, that's a, that's a website that I should mention for providers out there who aren't already aware of it. The website is www.ehealthinitiative.org. And that e-health initiative is all one word. On there, there's a, there's a great manual for folks that are thinking about this. They want to get into doing e-prescribing, but they're not sure where to start. They can read a document on there called A Clinician's Guide to Electronic Prescribing, and that answers a lot of the sort of most common questions that you hear about it. Josh, what do you think is going to be in the stimulus package in terms of getting doctors to spend the money to go out and get these systems? Is the government going to give us a tax break? Are they going to give us free software? What are they going to do to stimulate us? Because, you know, we don't have the cash to go out and upgrade just for a $2,000 carrot. Sure, absolutely. And, and, and these systems are not inexpensive, and they're, they're probably going to stay that way for quite some time. I can't speak for the administration, but I would guess that we're going to see tax incentives in there for folks who invest, just as they did a couple of years ago for green technologies. I think there'll be a similar program in place. It's just a, it's a good way to allow people to go out and get the materials and be able to write them off. Josh, everyone's convinced that e-prescribing is the greatest thing since white bread, and so far it's pretty good, but is there a dark side? Have you heard of any cases where this has caused problems or that there have been lawsuits because of it? You know, I haven't heard of any lawsuits over the e-prescribing thing. I do know, you know one of the problems that you run into with any electronic system is that you have software glitches. And actually, I was just reading from the AP wire the other day, there's been some electronic medical records in Veterans Administration hospitals that were a little glitchy, a little buggy, and they started causing problems in the hospital. So that's certainly possible. Are there any other reward systems or anything else out there that's coming down the pike that we should kind of be aware of? Well, I don't know if I would characterize it as a reward system, but uh, my firm has been hearing a lot about medical home. And the concept behind medical home is essentially taking concierge medicine and, and turning it on its head a bit. Rather than patients paying more, we'd actually ask that the providers, and in some cases the government, adjust what they're paying for, and they reimburse physicians for some of the time they spend doing things that are currently not reimbursable, like, for instance, phoning in a refill prescription for a patient that just called in. 
Right. I mean, we've done some shows on the medical home, and yeah, I personally think I already provide the medical home for many of my patients. Yeah, and that's it, exactly it would, the comment I get from, from most physicians that I talk to. And it would be nice to get paid more, obviously, but if it's, you know, the government would probably have specific criteria that would need to be met in order for them to pay a little more, I imagine. I would think so. I, I think in the in the not-too-distant future, we're, we're going to have to see an adjustment in the way that primary care physicians are paid for the services they provide. I think one of the changing roles of the, of the primary care physician is that they're no longer serving as, as kind of a community you know, emergency room. They're more dealing with patients who have ongoing problems, who have ongoing health care needs, but none of them really necessarily rise to the level of needing an office visit or needing a prescription. A lot of times they just have a question, they have a concern, they want to ask about a, a, a drug or a potential drug interaction, or they want to see what you think about this or that choice in their diet. And those are things that primary care physicians are doing now and always have done, and they really should be reimbursed accordingly. You know, that brings up the next question on on email. And a lot of doctors are not doing email with their patients. I've had some patients get a hold of my email address. I use Gmail and I, I respond to them. This is not a you know, this is not a safe platform for us to be discussing your health care. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Any idea how many docs out there are using emails yet? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say. If they are, in most cases, they're not going to be getting reimbursed for it. So it's it's obviously hard, especially for practitioners who are running a smaller office, to, to spend the time to sit and to go through emails and answer those questions that can be answered and respond, hey, you need to come into an appointment for those that can't. That's just one more thing you, you sort of burn up time during the day doing that you're not paid for. Right. But it is actually, I think, a little better than the phone call because there is some documentation. I, I would say many phone calls go undocumented that come in in the middle of the night or even the middle of the day. You'll have a conversation with a patient and may not be able to, you know, write it down or dictate it or do anything and get it in their medical record, at least with the email, there's there's a paper trail. Absolutely. And, and the other nice feature of it, obviously, is you don't, you know, the email doesn't interrupt you in the middle of your other work and demand to be answered right now. Well, on that note, Joshua Freemeyer, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me today. Thank you very much for having me. My guest was Joshua Freemeyer. Josh is a health law attorney at the law firm of Oberkehler in Baltimore, Maryland. And we were talking today about e-prescribing and that we actually may make some money from it in the future. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or you can call us now toll-free at 888-MD-XM160. And thanks for listening.